Everybody needs just the right amount of fuel to get going in the morning. For some, a nice McDonald's egg and cheese bagel is just enough to do it. Others might prefer a McDonald's bacon egg and cheese bagel. Or perhaps a sausage egg and cheese bagel. And there are those where nothing will do but a hearty McDonald's steak egg and cheese bagel. Four different breakfast bagels to get you going. Tomorrow morning, give your engine a head start at participating McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A good summer, finally. When your kids go to bed, oh, finally. Making a profit, finally. A business bank doing something different, finally. Like giving cash back on your business account. Introducing the new Santander 123 Business Current Account, finally. A proper reason to switch. Cash back up to £300 annually on credit turnover. Monthly fee £12.50. For UK-based companies with up to two directors, owners or partners. 18 plus T's and C's apply. Attention Studio Ghibli fans. G-Kids and Fabum Events are bringing Hayao Miyazaki's Academy Award winning film Spirited Away to theatres on October 28th, 29th and 30th as part of Studio Ghibli Fest for a special three day event. Follow Chihiro through the spirit world as she uses her wits to survive in strange new places, free her parents from Yubaba's curse and return to the normal world. Overflowing with imaginative creatures and thrilling storytelling, Spirited Away is a worldwide smash hit and one of the most critically acclaimed films of all time. Head over to GibbyFest.com to get your tickets now. US listeners only. Well, hello there and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast for animationforadults.com. I'm Chris and I'm joined today by Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello, Chris. And just two of us. I nearly said by just Dan and then I thought, no, that's kind of underselling you. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> but I I'm did want to point... Not, I'll earn it. I, I, you know, just Dan for now and then by the end of the podcast it will be, wow, Dan. Dan Esquire, mm-hmm. Sir, Sir Dan, mm-hmm. of, Sir Dan of, of Greenwich currently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'll I'll leave my uh, my postcode at the end. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and my mother's maiden name. So uh, we are here to talk about some. This week we're going to catch up with lots of animation news because we haven't talked about that for a while, and also finish up by just talking about some animation stuff that we've been watching recently um this is your first episode you'll find all our previous episodes either on animationfadops.com itself on stitcher on apple podcast and on your favorite uh podcast service as long as it's not one we're not on i guess we're not on, we're not on spotify <laughs> some people listen to their podcasts on there uh we're not on there yet. <laughs> I, I, I saw a link to how you do it, but I just didn't bother, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, they, can find, they, can find, they can find us. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there's a bunch of news to get into, but we're going to start off with um, by uh, bringing the mood down a bit because uh, the animation world has lost a few few lights recently. We've had a few losses and we did want to just pay a quick tip of the hat to those dear departed people, uh, not dwell on it too much because, as I said, pulls down the mood a bit. Um, 
But the first one was in the British animation world, Roger Mainwood, who was the director of Ethel and Ernest, the wonderful film based on Raymond Briggs's graphic novel. Um, he also worked on several of the other uh, Raymond Briggs TV specials. He worked on um, The Snowman, The Snowman and the Snow Dog, When the Wind Blows, uh, Father Christmas. And he also worked on other things like The World of Peter Rabbit, Stressed Eric, Megan Mogg, uh, Heavy Metal, the uh, weird French anthology thing. Uh, so he had a, a good career. He was, by all accounts, a top bloke. Um, and it's uh, obviously sad news that he's no longer with us. But he did get to do his his lifelong, well, his long gestating project with Ethel and Ernest. I know he was wanting to make that for years, and he saw it happen and come out. That that happened. Yeah, I can't say uh, I know the guy. I know a few people who rubbed shoulders with him, and... Yeah, I've just heard great things about him. Sounds sounds lovely, and um, yeah, it's 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 very sad news. Mm. Uh, also passed away is um, the American stop motion uh, specialist Will Vinton, um, who I have to say I had not heard of um, before hearing about his passing, but I had I was familiar with some of his work because. I knew of the um, uh, California Raisins. They were um, like, mm-hmm. adver- I think, I think they were adverts, and then they were maybe like a holiday special or something. And then it was turned into like a just a hand drawn cartoon that I remember when I was a kid. <laughs> um, so I don't think he was anything to do with that particularly. <laughs> um, but he did. He did the um the the Moonwalker animation with the the bunny rabbit head. The Michael Jackson movie Moonwalker. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that in the picture that you you posted, Chris, and that like had a really deep. You know when something from your childhood like reappears and you have a very deep visceral yeah pang uh, of nostalgia or familiarity like like looking at an old photograph of like a an old school friend or something like i had that like looking at this photo of will vinton surrounded by his creations and Mm -hmm. yeah it's um that's that's an amazing thing to have created because i pretty much associated the way his things moved with american stop motion animation Mm -hmm. Claymation. I think he, I think he um he actually like trademarked the term claymation. Oh right. Yeah. I have a yeah. feeling that might that might be the case. Um yeah, yeah, it's really iconic iconic stuff really. Um he also worked on the series The PJs, I think that was a nineties series, um, which was a sitcom stop motion. Uh, it was great. The PJs was was great. Was Eddie Murphy a voice in that, or am I? Someone, someone was a, a voice. Who was it? <laughs> um, I believe it was all um, centered around uh, Eddie Murphy, wasn't it? It was yeah. like a Eddie Murphy sitcom where he played all the characters type thing. <laughs> he played, uh, he played, yeah, I think he played a few. 
But like, mm-hmm. that was a really important. Larry Wilmore was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I think he created it as well. But yeah, like that was a really iconic show. And also, people might not know this, but um, he founded a animation studio in Portland, in Oregon, and um, it would basically become Leica. Um, but what? no, become Leica. Sorry, I know sorry. it's a very good joke. Yeah. It's a very good joke. Uh, became mm-hmm. Leica, which is obviously the animation studio yeah. we know. Um, and it's kind of a crappy thing that happened in that the the, um, the uh, Nike co-founder Phil Knight became an investor in the studio in the early two thousands, and he mm-hmm. ousted Vinton from his own company and put his son in the in the position so travis knight basically um whose dad is incredibly rich and that's kind of why like is still able to put out films even though they don't sadly make that much money because it's kind of like a project for rich people and it's it's a bit sad to hear that the um the origin of like like has got that slightly iffy point of it but I would, I, I guess, but I mean, I guess if he if he started a studio in Portland, mm. that talent or that thirst to even for for that talent wouldn't exist there possibly without him. Mm-hmm. So he has like a. It seems because I saw in the article it said that he was based in Portland, and it was like, oh well, I guess he must have he must have had something to do with how that just became a hotbed for. Uh, stop motion animators. And the other person who sadly passed away was Adam Burks, who was a veteran Pixar animator. Who um, he started so it was off. Adam Burke. Adam, sorry, Adam Burke. Yep. Sorry. Yep. Adam Burke, who's a veteran Pixar animator. Um, he worked on basically all of Brad Bird's films, uh, Pixar and pre-Pixar because he worked on The Iron Giant as well. Um, he also worked on Don Bluth films. He worked on Space Jam. He worked on The Road to El Dorado, Sinbad's Legend of the Seven Seas, Spirits Telling the Cimarron. So uh, he's worked at like DreamWorks, uh, Don Bluth Studios, uh, Warner Brothers, and then Pixar. And uh, he he worked right up to Incredibles two. So, and again, apparently a very awesome person who did lots of uh, beyond just animation, but he also um, did like lots of charitable stuff. Like he, um, I think he he was um, like local hospitals and things that like he spearheaded. Yeah, Brad Bird said he shepherded Pixar's children's hospital. So um, yeah, yeah. So that's very sad as well. And it's always it's always a bummer when you don't actually know people and know about people until they die. And then you're like, oh, that was a really cool person. And I didn't know about them. And as I said, <laughs> um, brings down the mood a bit. And that's just hip our hats to yeah, those those animation figures and move on to something a bit lighter. And that is Animation is Film, the uh, 
animation festival started by Annecy International, G Kids Films and Variety, and Asifa Hollywood is coming back to Hollywood for a second year this year in October. So coming up soon. Um, and they have announced their full lineup, and it is a very impressive lineup featuring animation from all over the world. And um, it includes uh, such films as Mirai from Mamoru Hosoda, uh, who will also be at the festival. And they will also be showing his back catalogue. So they'll be showing The Girl Who Left Through Time, Wolf Children, Summer Wars, and The Boy and the Beast. Uh, they will be screening the Japanese animated film Penguin Highway. Uh, Oko's Inn, and I Want to Eat Your Pancreas, which is a another Japanese animated title. The world premiere of Studio Ponock's Modest Heroes Ponock Short Film Theatre Volume 1 with a Q&A session. Um, there will be also screening will be Fudan, Bunel in the Labyrinth of the Turtles, Another Day of Life, Tito and the Birds, Nina Paley's Sadomasochism, This Magnificent Cake, yes, that is the title of the film. Um, and there will also be some... This Magnificent, sorry, this magnificent Cake mm-hmm. is directed by um, uh, Mark James Rhodes. I'm sorry, I'm butchering that name. Um, an amazing stop motion uh, director. And it, it looks like a fantastic film. Um, he only did, um, sorry, yeah, he only did uh, shorts before. He did a short called Oh Willy. Mm-hmm. It make, sort of makes like stop motion films with like fuzzy felt people. So this is really exciting news for me. Sorry. <laughs> Just <laughs> right. Derail that train. It looks I mean, not only is that a good title, but it's genuinely something to be excited about. I think it might be in a, a, some sort of anthology as well. I think on on a certain theme, I think. Mm. Um, there will also be presentations of giving previews of Ralph Breaks the Internet, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And um, there's also like a retrospective screening of The Prince of Egypt. So as well as like all the indie and international films there is representation from like disney and dreamworks and sony as well so everyone's taking notice and this is running from october 19th to 21 to nine october 19th to the 21st at the world famous man's chinese theater in hollywood california usa <laughs> um and uh, they were they will they will be handing out awards to prize winners, and the there's a very impressive jury that includes such figures as Henry Selleck, Jorge Gutierrez, Jennifer U. Nelson, and Dean DeBlois. So there will also be an audience award as well. So that's all very good news if you're in the Hollywood area. Area. <laughs> it's all very good news if you're in LA or Hollywood or. California sort of era. <laughs> era? Why can't I say area? <laughs> Dan, say something. <laughs> area. Say something else. <laughs> Why is it called the man's Chinese theatre? I mean, I, the Chinese man's theatre? Or the man's... So it's a guy called Man. Mm. And it's the Chinese theatre. 
right? Is that like is that like saying the 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 oh, see now I'm tripping up as well. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, fine, great. <laughs> Sorry, it's like <laughs> It's like, oh, great, people in Hollywood have got another cool thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you lucky people. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we did know, we did mention there the uh, Studio Pollock film Modest Heroes, Pollock Short Film Theatre Volume 1, which is also being confirmed that it is coming to the US by G Kids next January. This is the anthology film that's got um, three sections, one of which is directed by Hiramasa Yonabayashi and uh, two of which are directed by um, people who are associated with Ghibli but have not directed before i don't well one of them definitely hasn't um, um yeah i think they're all they're all Ghibli veterans really mm-hmm. uh, one of them was a worked particularly uh closely with isa asara takahata and one of them worked in ma- mainly with uh miyazaki yeah i think one of them i i'm gonna unfortunately i can't find like good information about the directors they're just talking about yeah, um, Yamamose, yeah, who worked with Takahata, also um, was the animation director on Nino Kuni. Ah, sweet. Yeah. Um, and the trailers in this look pretty charming. Uh, and I think I think this is an interest. We have we have talked about this film before, but I think it's a it's an interesting direction for Ponok to go in. That's sort of um, uh, marking it out as rather than just like making another Ghibli clone or whatever. Yeah, I think they're very aware of that. I th- I think they're very aware of that. <laughs> yeah, just like yeah, what makes us different to Ghibli? And um, yeah, I I hope they I hope they grow beyond Ghibli sooner rather than later into their own studio. It would also be nice, like in volume two or whatever the studio Ponok thing be interesting to see like even fresher talents given given a chance um that's true well okay well yeah i guess yeah you're right i guess famously like um or maybe not famously but uh miyazaki said that he basically consumed anyone who tried to become his predecessor. <laughs> who, who, sorry, who tried to become his, um, you know, like a Successor. Successor, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Bloody prefixes and sus, sus, Sussexes. Sussexes. Um, yeah, he's sort of like, yeah, he's been quite open with that, actually, and just said, yeah, you know, I, I wasn't the best at making sure that I was cultivating talent. Um... And uh, some of the names, you know, like um, uh, uh, Akihiko Yamashita, Momose as well, like they've been, they are actually like veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's, 
it's it's a shame. I mean, it's good that they are being given their chance finally, essentially, to uh, to direct something. And um, I can't think of like creatively. There's no better way to um, develop ideas than to create a bunch of shorts. Mm-hmm. It's what um, it's what Miyazaki did himself, really, with the Chibi Museum. Yeah, you know, like we're using the Chibi Museum shorts. He was able to develop styles of backgrounds and animation um, that mm, that made it possible basically for him to make Ponyo as radically different looking as it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, Disney do the same thing. They test out technologies with new shorts. And like, for instance, like a film like Feast. Yeah. The Disney movie, like, you know, they were just trying a whole new style there. So it's cool that they're... Um, you know, as much as it's a nice anthology film for everyone, it's also very much an investment in, uh, yeah, cultivating talent. Yeah, but unlike the Ghibli Museum shorts, at least we can watch these ones. That's true. Well, see, and again, like that's, I, f- I feel like that's a little bit of a, a wee dig, perhaps, at, the, you know, this isn't Ghibli, this is Ponok, and Ponok is aware that there is um, international audiences and, you know, technology exists, essentially. I think <laughs> they, always, I, they always release their trailers on YouTube, actually. Yes, that's what I was going to say. I think Ponok are very plugged in, or, you know, they yeah. know what they're doing, and, like, yeah. they released a subtitle trailer of their of um Mary and the Witch's Flower like before it was mm-hmm. like you know before it was announced that it was licensed at least an English subtitle trailer so well it's that, because basically I mean basically like they've got I mean very cheap publicity if they do that mm-hmm. people are it, watching them anyway and then yeah just whack whack some subs on a on a trailer and suddenly every international movie site is reporting on you know your new movie whereas other people are like no we're going to region lock this trailer because we don't want people to know about our thing yeah i, I have no sympathy for people who think <laughs> like that because it's just stupid no you are not allowed to know about this until we decide your country is ready <laughs> yeah it's is what happens i guess when People forget what the purpose of marketing is. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So that looks like a good bunch of movies. And also, speaking of Hayao Miyazaki, G Kids have also announced that they are bringing something a bit different to cinemas in the US, and that is the uh, the documentary Hayao Miyazaki Never Ending Man. Which is oh, you mean the TV documentary? The TV documentary that was showed on NHK a couple of years ago. It's a little Uh, bit cheeky. It's the un. It's basically it's the un unretiring documentary, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, the documentary, which is spoilers. It seems to have been made almost entirely to advertise the fact that he was going to start making a new film. 
So this is about the documentary about the rem- the making of the short film. And then he goes like, no, I have unretired. Aha. Twist. The benefit is that it's a very, um, it's a, it's a very fly on the wall documentary. Mm-hmm. There are some scenes which are just filmed like with him, uh, you know, with like a little fisheye lens camera on his desk and he kind of almost forgets it's there and just it's um he relaxes a little bit and says things that are quite candid um it's a very interesting documentary about a guy who is unable to retire for 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 reasons that are not financial in the slightest but you know um it's just about an itch that won't die. Is this the film that the famous clip came from where yes. they showed him that CG thing and he's like, this is against nature. <laughs> you should feel very bad. That's a very interesting part of the film because he is questioning whether he should have even um, pursued. So basically he's making this uh the film is about him making a cheesy short film, mm-hmm. uh, Borrow the Caterpillar, which is an idea that he's had like for years and years and years. He was going to make it um, around the time of Princess Mononoke. And Suzuki talked him out of it because he was like, <laughs> I mean, the whole point of the film was going to be the journey from one tree to another. It was a very like stripped down concept. And um, Suzuki was like, look, this is a very Miyazaki idea and it's great, but we've got to be careful with like the whole Ghibli image. Why don't we make the Mononoke thing? Cause that looks like a cool action movie and you're only getting older. And, you know, I think this is the sort of movie you can only make, you know, before you're 60. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, like that was how long Borrow's been, Borrow the Caterpillar has been like boiling away in Miyazaki's mind. And, um, yeah, the documentary is about him making the short film, mm-hmm. and the short film he decided to make um, in CG uh, with the help of some younger uh, CG artists. And it's sort of watching him uh, kind of like a dog sniffing out <laughs> a new friend. <laughs> like, do I trust this CG nonsense or, you know, is it too far removed from my way of life or am I just being a stick in the mud? Um, yeah, and the scene comes about where um, some people demonstrate some sort of procedurally generated animation, um, which is able to like remap uh, walking animation into other limbs. And just using maths, just like literally saying, okay, that information there for walking, just remap that onto like the head and the shoulder. So the head and the shoulder move in a very violently uh, enthusiastic way, you know, like like legs, basically. And Miyazaki understands this. But rather than seeing the... The potential of the algorithm or you know however it's done the maths behind it he says the image that you've thrown on screen is offensive to disabled people 
and he talks about how he used to uh, see um, a friend of his who was who was disabled. I can't remember exactly the condition, but he was saying essentially, you know, movement for this guy was painful. And the animation that they had called monstrous reminded him of his disabled friend. And yeah, and that was when he said, uh, this is an insult to life itself. Only, of course, everyone reported on the fact that he was calling CG animation an insult to life itself because the internet. There is some gleeful, yeah, misinterpretation of everything Miyazaki ever says. And in fact, the documentary is I'm not going to spoil it entirely because it's worth it's worth um it will be definitely worth checking out. The documentary has some very funny moments um with some very gallows humor about mm. Miyazaki and how old he's going to be when he finishes his new movie or if he'll ever finish it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good documentary and uh, it's worth checking out. Yeah, um we don't have an exact date for this thing, I don't think. Uh, let me check. This film will be released theatrically in the US sometime this winter with a date to be announced. Um, it has also been announced as forthcoming in the UK from Anime Limited, but further details are also to be confirmed there. But uh, you'll be getting a chance, if you haven't seen it, you'll be getting a chance to see it. Um, Possibly on the big screen if you're in the US anyway. Even that's made for TV. So, um, something that is definitely coming to cinemas is Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, which is coming out in December of this year. And a new trailer was released uh, in the run up to New York Comic Con and it's a very good trailer. <laughs> it's one of the best uh, animation, you know, trailers for an animated movie I've ever seen. Like, no, no question. It, um, it, very much, they're very much like, because uh, this was reported ages ago and we reported on it, um, that it was, it was being developed by uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Yes. And this is like, that was, I think, like the Lego movie had pretty much just come out that year. Mm-hmm. And they were like hot property. This is like before they've been shunned by Lucasfilm and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, the famous, the famous firing where, where Chris on the hands solo movie, mm-hmm. the one that they shot first. Uh, um yeah so we recorded on this movie ages ago and it was like what is that what does that mean like a spider-man movie by the lego movie guys like is that gonna be respectful <laughs> or is it gonna be like what's it gonna be and yeah i wasn't prepared for it being as imaginative as it is yeah people have pointed out the kind of irony of the fact that like the most ambitious and uh, different and like just generally not um, doesn't seem to be like formulaic and everything animated film coming out this year 
is a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> it's like a, you know, it's a known brand. It, it's and it's tied to Marvel and everything, and they've let them do this. <laughs> I think it's I think it's genius, and it's yeah, it's it's definitely yeah, like they have to have an unbelievable amount of confidence to do that with a property. But I think there's also like this. It's kind of announced the fact. It's it's kind of like, the reason it's so surprising is because if this had come out next year, it might have been predictable. But it seems like it's come out just ahead of the curve, and there are things in it that there are things in the trailer that that happen that are so out there. I can only just sit back and just applaud like I did I when I saw the trailer I I looked um stunned mm-hmm. um like I, I I just I had no idea that they were going to push it in as many directions as they seem to have um yeah and it's it's uh I just want to see the damn movie already it looks so good <laughs> and it looks really funny yeah um yeah, I mean, I guess the thing is, like, basically, the Lego movie taught them, look, if you have a good brand, if you have a thing that sells, you know, toys already, then you can pretty much do anything and people will arrive. Like, people will, you know, people will go to the cinema to see it. But the just the art style is so interesting. And it's incredible. I mean, there are scenes in the woods where they're training in the woods and some of the trees are just like silhouettes. They're not... Um, it doesn't feel as uh, in any way like it's... It's using CG in a very freeing way mm-hmm. that I don't think I've ever seen to this degree before. Yeah, I can't remember ever being this excited about the C, like a CG animation style, <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, well, it's sort of started to happen like a few years ago. Like I guess like Paperman, mm. like about five years ago now, was the first time when like a mainstream studio went, look, CG can be two D as well, and vice versa. But this just seems to just, you know. Is Sony just like throwing down the gauntlet saying, well, yeah, okay, that's cute, but how about like this perfect blend of CG and 2D and, you know, every other type of animation style, basically? Well, yeah, it's weird because there have been like lots of attempts to make make CG look like it's 2D before, and a lot of them, I think, have fallen flat, like... uh, the some of the anime that have done it, and um, also Dragon Prince. Um, but this looks this like it's got it right. <laughs> it's it seems to okay. It seems to me simply to work because it's not designed by committee. Mm-hmm. It seems like they just trusted the designers. They just went like, "Well, looks good. We'll do that." You know, it's that old thing of um, you know when you look through a concept art book an art of book and you're like sometimes you just you just think why couldn't they have just 
why do they have to tone it down? Mm -hmm. And this seems to be like a one-for-one, you know, the movie looks like the concept art. Oh, that's going to be an art book to get. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, we should probably just say a little bit about the um, the plot that we get more of in this trailer. Um, we already knew that it's like a a, um, a multiple dimensions, multiple Spider-Man storyline. So we've got Miles Morales um, somehow teaming up with um, Peter Parker, but an older Peter Parker. Um, and we learn in this trailer that it is Kingpin has been playing with a super collider and this seems to uh, transport Miles Morales into a parallel um, existence where he meets Peter Parker and he becomes his mentor. mentor. And then then we meet Spider-Gwen, Gwen Stacy, um, who we get to see her face for the first time because in the first teaser you just saw her with her spider costume on um and it looks like she's a, a drummer um and we also meet lots of other spider-men uh or spider people i should say because there is um penny parker who is a anime style spider person who's like a, a Jap- like a japanese style schoolgirl with a um a uh like a spider tanky thing um spider-man noir who is going to be voiced by nicholas cage um, Peter Porker, Spider Ham, uh, voiced by John Mulaney, brilliantly. Um, yeah. Who's, whose nose is? I just noticed his nose. His, the nostrils look like the Spider-Man eyes on the actual Spider-Man mask. <laughs> like his nose is a Spider-Man mask. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it looks so good. I, it's 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 genius that they've taken a, um, you know, I I said this a while ago, like back when like Spider Man Homecoming was announced. I was like, yeah, they don't have to do the setup of Spider Man again because everyone and his grandma or her grandma like knows. Spider-Man, like, you know, oh, it's a kid in Queens who got bitten by a spider and his uncle dies and that's that. You know, it's like, that's boring, really, now, because superhero movies are so commonplace. Mm-hmm. Um, what seemed fantastical once is now just like, you know, you started seeing people say things like, oh, it feels like this movie came from the 90s. Yeah. Like about Venom or um, Doctor Strange. And yeah, this feels like a movie for now. It's kind of, you know, meta in that kind of way that like the Lego movie really hit with. And it's it's using um it's it's like it's it's um it's meta textualized comic mythology. Mm-hmm. Like it, you know, the fact that there are lots of alternate versions of Spider Man, it's made um you know part of the story Mm -hmm. it just looks flipping great (laughs) yeah um i i am not like down enough on my comics mythology or whatever to be able to 
get all the ins and outs necessarily, but no, no, nor am I. But I think the tightrope walker will be walking um, mm-hmm. and seem to have uh, managed that exactly is the difference between you know, like a kid who knows who Miles Morales is mm-hmm. and maybe like like I just imagining like my dad watching this. Yeah. You know, like he can follow the trailer because mm-hmm. he knows who Spider-Man is. Like you have that jumping off point. Yeah. Um introducing a new generation to Miles Morales properly. Because he's not had his this is like the first Miles Morales movie. Yeah. Which is great. Um and yeah, uh it's it's just exciting. It's Spider-Man. I just, just what's not to love? I I'm not sure though if this is gonna be like really, really successful or whether it's gonna be like the next film that everyone's complaining that no one got went to see but it was amazing and never got a sequel to or whatever because they're like ah oh, why didn't everyone go and see that why did everyone go and see i don't know mary poppins instead or whatever no no um, no shade on mary poppins yeah. no not at all i'd be watching both of them yeah it's hard to say man it's really hard to say i think this could be huge mm-hmm I think they've done something which is like the Lego movie tapped into uh, like a collective understanding of pop culture and mythology and um, meta humor, basically, that people are now savvy to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe perhaps, you know, if the, if this was released like a year after the Lego movie, mm-hmm. I think, um, it might struggle, but I feel like I feel certainly very strongly that audiences are going to be are going to get it entirely. Yeah, I hope so. I, would, yeah. I really, yeah, no, I hope so because I just want to see. Even if this isn't, if there's not another Spider-Man movie, I just want to see this creative team working again because, uh, yeah, it just looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that that rush you got like watching. Um, I'm a really big fan of Speed Racer. Yeah. And it reminds me of that kind of rush of just like, hey, what if a movie was exciting colours? <laughs> I'm, I'm already in. Yeah, so this is coming out on December 14th, I think. Let me see. December 14th, 2018. I, I'm pretty sure it's the same release date, US and UK. And it is directed by Bob Perichetti, Peter Ramsey, who you may know as director of um, Legend of the Guardians, and Rodney Rotham. And the screenplay is by Phil Lord. So there you go. And if you want to see a detailed breakdown of the trailer, I wrote that up. That's the first time I've done that. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I'll be doing it a lot because didn't particularly get more interest than when we just write a little news post on the trailer but sorry peter ramsey directed rise of the guardians yeah isn't that what i said you said legends of the guardians oh is that the owl movie that's the owl movie oh sorry not the owl movie he directed the um uh dreamworks one yeah the santa claus jack frost yeah yeah i just that's what i meant (laughs) i know he did not direct the Zack snyder directed film (laughs) With the owls. Sorry. 
Sorry, Peter Ramsey. I know which one you did. I just got my I Guardians think, mixed I, up. Um, I follow him on Twitter. And I think mm. he gets that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, one other animated film that we reported on recently is one that is in production, um, but may not be on your radar because it wasn't on our radar. And it is based on a beloved cartoon from the 1980s called Dog Tanyan and the Three Musker Hounds. Which, Musker uh, Hounds? That's a, little, that's a little bit sweaty. That's a little bit convoluted. <laughs> Musker Hounds. Musker Hounds. They are, it's obviously a remake or a retelling of the Alexander Dumas story. Dog, Musketeer, Musketeer. Okay, I, okay, I can. Okay. They are they are called in the series because I remember it well from my childhood. See, I, don't, I don't have any. Um, don't have much memory of this. No, it is it is beloved of many people who saw it. Um, it was um, a it was a Spanish Japanese co-production. Um, and it was a retelling of the Three Musketeers with talking dogs. So what's not to love? Um, and some talking cats as well. Mainly villains, it's I think. Dog-tanian. Not dog not What? Dog It's Dogtanian. Dogtanian. Yeah. Dogtanian. Sorry, I thought it was called Dogtonian for some reason. No, it's like D'Artagnan. But right. it's Dogtanian. And the three musket hounds. Although okay. in the series they were just called the musketeers, but in the title they were called the musket hounds for extra pun potential because right. they were dogs, right. you see. And Dog Tanyan is also a dog, and most people are dogs, um, but Milady is a cat. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is where I got most of my knowledge of the three musketeers from most of my life <laughs> it's this this happened a lot like i i have to remind myself that um the main character of around the world in 80 days is called phileas fogg and not willie fogg um who was the lion in the um 80s cartoon <laughs> version around the world in 80 days um... made by the same people but with and um, talking animals going around the world in 80 days um yeah, so this is a, they're making a CG animated movie based on this old 80s cartoon. And it was, it was revealed at a Spanish um, animation event called 3D Wire uh, that took place a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was, I, I managed to find out about it through Spanish language sites. So I reported on it before anyone else has done. In fact, no one else has really picked up on it either. Um, but they are making a CG animated film based on the Musker Hounds and they are um, supposedly doing it in CG for the most part but they're going to have um, some like 2D segments for like flashbacks and stuff to pay tribute to the original and they're supposedly going all out for the action because they've been um, they've They've enlisted an as- actual musketeer society <laughs> to an actual train- musker hound. 
No, not musker hounds, mus musketeers. The musker hounds don't exist. Um, uh, there might be, I'm, I'm expecting, uh, uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, so you're not, you're not familiar with this. Um, no, I'm not, um, but I do notice every single time, you know, you see like compilation videos on on YouTube or like on TV, like, uh love it programs of my childhood like it always pops up and i'm like oh i know that that dog musketeer thing is a thing but i've never seen it it had the most catchy theme song um and i i think there was like a um there was like a a poll done on channel four sometime in the 90s or something or early 2000s um for the best cartoon theme song, there was like an animation the best season. Dog musketeer based cartoon, and it, it got voted the best theme song, I think. And Adam and Joe, the Adam and Joe show, presented the program, and I think they recreated the theme song. So that was that was a special moment. Uh, it's being directed by Tony Garcia in Spain. Um, and they are currently seeking, um, apparently they're seeking a Asian co-producing partner uh, to help them complete the film. Um, and they're aiming to bring it out, if everything goes to plan, in around the end of 2020. But there's some really, really nice concept art that you can check out in the post. Uh, or stick the link in the show notes. Um, it looks a lot like the original, um, and if they can make make the series, if they can make the movie look like that, it'll be worth watching. I reckon. Do you have anything to say, because you have got no familiarity with the the source material? I'm just watching the theme tune. <laughs> <laughs> woof, 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 woof. Is that it? Yeah. Musker hounds are always ready. It's very good. It's they tried to turn a dog barking into a song. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic. Okay. It's just like, yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> it, it looks cool. It looks cool. It reminds me, obviously, of um, Sherlock Hound, in that it was a European Japanese co production in the 80s. Yeah, that, that feels like, like it should have. That feels like it should have been on TV, but I don't think it was in the UK. Sherlock Hound. Sherlock Hound? It must have been, because there was a British dub. I think I think it, they just used British-sounding people. I, just, I don't... I really... I think when it came out on DVD here, it was the first, like, a few years ago, it was like the first time it had been seen in the UK. But it feels like oh. it, it should have been on TV, because it would have... It would have fitted in perfectly with Dog Canyon and uh, Willy Fogg and all, all yeah. the other. Oh, it definitely. Aired. Oh, look at that! It aired on Channel Nine in Australia. <laughs> apparently, so um, I think that might have been where, yeah, where it aired in English, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Or I think it probably aired in the US, but right. Sherlock Hound's good. <laughs> so. 
Shark Hound's great. I mean, yeah, I'm going to say that because it had strong involvement from one Miyazaki and Yasuo, Yas, Yasuo Otsuka. Miyazaki directed a couple of episodes which were released. I think one of them was released as a short along with the theatrical release of Nazca. Yeah, I think so. I think I remember reading it. Yeah, they are good. They are damn good. And if you watch the episodes that Miyazaki directed, they are so Miyazaki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they really are. And um, Yeah, yeah, and it's delightful. Any... Okay. I think that probably wraps us up for news. I think. Okay. So we will pay a visit to the water cooler and talk about some stuff, what we have been watching and stuff. That's going to be in my head all night. That theme, of course it is. And it's also, it's also going to be the closing music to this episode. So it's going to be in other people's heads as well. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, cool. Okie dokie. So Dan, what have you been watching? Chris, um, I've been watching, um, I've been watching all sorts. I mean, I've been, I've been storyboarding this week and, um, a little bit the week before, and I tend to watch like a load of things, but in little clips because like, um, uh, the way I work is I, when I'm storyboarding is I nick stuff from other things what are good <laughs> and I've been like watching little clips here and there of like Samurai Jack and um, uh, yeah um, things like that My Hero Academia but um, in like chill out time I've been wanting to watch things to chill out mm-hmm. and I was watching um, I've mainly been watching Helder the Netflix show Mm-hmm. Uh, based on the uh, comic book series by Luke Pearson. Um, yeah, um, I think that's pretty much what I've been watching that's relevant to the show, I'm afraid. Um, it's great. Uh, I love it. The end. I, yeah, no, it's... Um, it's really an amazing show. Um, and it's pretty unique. Um, and... It's entertaining and it's it's absolutely gorgeous to look at. I always make sure I can watch it at the highest quality, you know, wearing headphones usually, um, so I'm completely immersed in the world. Um, yeah, I've mainly been watching Hilda. Um, how about you? I have also been watching Hilda. Um, I've just started up in the past couple of days and it's... Yeah. I think I'm on, I'm, I'm on episode nine at the moment. Is there ten or is there more? Um, I think there might be more. I feel like there are more. Um, Twelve or thirteen? Uh, there are thirteen episodes. That is brilliant. And I don't know if you are aware that it has already been recommissioned for season two. That's fantastic news. Um because I, I want to see more. I, I was aware of the comic. Excuse me. I was aware of the comic series um, for a while. But it actually. Um, 
it seemed to be a comic series that was uh, popular because it had tapped into something that people were very hungry for. And it sort of got like this kind of um, folk tale mm-hmm. adventure timey kind of Miyazaki tinged um, uh, essence about it, uh, which is perfectly suited to the uh, to the age group that it's kind of become popular amongst. Um, and I remember seeing it in like comic book shops a lot in the kids section as like a highlight of look, here is a cool comic book for cool kids basically. <laughs> um, and yeah, the show pretty much looks like the comics to me. I mean, especially the colours and the art design. I think the character designs have been slightly um, uh, cleaned up maybe for TV production, but other than that, like it, it kind of looks like how the comic books feel. Um, should we talk about what it actually is? Because it's kind of hard to explain. Because in a cool uh, turn, it's kind of a serialized show. You mm-hmm. know, there's one story. And whilst um, kind of actually like something like Breaking Bad, there is one continuous story, but each episode is its own contained story. That is yeah. satisfying in itself, mm-hmm. but it ends with enough of an open, uh, you know, it's open-ended enough that uh, it allows for like cliffhangers and for reasons to keep watching, essentially. So I've seen, I think we probably, because of that, it's kind of going to be hard to talk about it without spoiling, at least until maybe episode three, which is when the biggest change this season happened, I think, which is, um, do you think that, do you think that's fair? I mean, there's no other way to talk about it. Well, I think it, it's in the synopsis, the, the, it was in the trailer. Yeah. I think no, I, I feel like it's, if, yeah, if things are in like the publicity, I think it's fair mm-hmm. to talk about and, Mm-hmm. Basically, you can say if you are the kind of person who is a trailer avoider and stuff and doesn't want to know things that are in publicity, then yeah, a you should probably not be listening to podcasts because just, mm-hmm. you're just taking your life in your hands, frankly. But b I think yeah, skip this bit. I think if you're that that worried, but we're not going to spoil anything. Okay, like, okay, we're going to do it. Yeah. We're going to do it. Well, basically, Hilda is about um. Uh, a little girl who I think is about 12 years old. Um, I think so, yes. Yeah, she's supposed to be like 11, 11 12. 12. And she lived, she lived, she lived with her mum in a sort of wooden house in the middle of the countryside, which is uh, kind of like a Norwegian-tinged countryside. There's talk Definitely, of, they talk about fjords. And they talk about fjords. They're um, flashback, yeah. everyone's Vikings. There you go. Um, but all the cast speak with British accents. Mm-hmm. Actually, sorry, all the human cast do. Yeah. Most of the human cast do. Anyway, um, so she's living with her mum in this sort of closed-off location. And as we meet her, she's running through the woods with her her pal, um, her dear fox, Twig. <laughs> dear and fox. <laughs> already you're sort, of, you're sort of watching it, and it's like, 
oh, this is, is this fantasy? Like, and basically it's like a very folktale tinged view of the Norwegian countryside. Mm-hmm. One of her first encounters is with a troll um, who follows the, uh, you know, the folktale rules of um, being active at night and not so much in the daytime. Um, and uh, yeah, so basically she, um, in the first chapter, she's living with her mum and they are having a problem with what seems to be like a poltergeist. And the show is kind of scary. Mm. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about it is that it's it's genuinely spooky. Um, in a way that something like Adventure Time ended up being in certain places, Gravity Falls, and um, what was the other one? The one that was actual Spook Town, um, over the Garden Wall. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So like, it's kind of got that kind of vibe about it, and. Um, yeah, Hilda Lakes, she's she's sort of got like this heightened sense of other worlds about her. And um long story short, she discovers that there are invisible people who are tiny, who live in houses that are just about as big as her foot, um, dotted all around where her and her mum lives. And there's this sort of like tension between you know, whether they can sustainably, whether they can realistically carry on living there. Um, and eventually, uh, yeah, by episode three, her and her mum have their house destroyed. I'm skipping a lot. But her and her mum have their house destroyed by a giant, um, much, in an, much in the same way that they were stepping on the houses of the little people without realising it. Um, uh a giant just nonchalantly walks over the house and the mum realises, well, maybe it's time to move to the big city, to Trollberg, a city which is um, a short while away and has a sort of Game of Thrones style uh, wall built around it. Oh, I was going to say Attack on Titan style wall. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's even... It's to keep trolls out. Clearer. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so it's this whole sort of like walled city that sort of feels like the cross between a Norwegian town and what I want to say is my image of a Canadian town. <laughs> um, uh, and there she is faced with uh, the scariest thought of all for her, which is fitting in with normal kids. Uh, which is as good a setup to you know any sitcom or you know movie or TV show. Um, and the rest of the season is kind of about her and her very uh, magical, like I said, folktale tinged life, clashing with everyday problems like making friends at school and not being noticed and. Uh, you know, trying to get along with her teachers, well, not get in trouble with her teachers. Um, yeah, uh, I love the show. It's great. It's kind of, it's very much for kids, but it's actually very enjoyable for, um, for I think anyone actually. Yeah, um, it's smart. It's very funny. Like I said, it's mainly just beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. Um. 
and it's got a very interesting story structure whereby you know like we said you've sort of got a monster of the week literally um along with like this overarching story which is hilda um you know making friends and uh becoming becoming a hero of trollberg in in her own small little way yeah i uh, i love this show man yeah it's so great uh i i think you've kind of hit the nail on the head with like the comparisons in that it it's a little bit little bit adventure time it's a little bit miyazaki it's a little bit moomins or and a little bit like gravity mm. falls and everything all those all those things but it's also got a distinctive feel it feels distinctly european and tonally it, yes. it feels it feels it doesn't feel like adventure time whatever because you know adventure time I, I suppose you know it's obviously very american uh it's very um I'm not sure if shrill is the right word, but, you know, it's um, a bit manic. And Well, I think this is this is a very significant thing. Every episode is 24 minutes. Oh. It allows for a kind of pacing that you don't get in things like Adventure Time, mm-hmm. which are 11 minutes. So every moment is just allowed to breathe in a slightly different way. Um. And in those little moments, you get character development. You get to just sit in the landscape for a second and take it all in. Um, and that I really appreciate. I think that is, I think basically what it's done is very clever. And like you're saying, it's not a cynical blend of all those things. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't feel like a um, uh, like a reverse engineered thing. Yeah, it's not at all. Very naturally all of those influences have come together to be this one thing, which is very much its own thing. But it also seems to be sort of um, perfectly riding that wave, which is cresting of all of those things. You know, there seems to be, and it seems to have done very well. Obviously we don't know because it's Netflix, but it, uh, it seems to have tapped into a hunger for something which I think was going to hit eventually sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, yeah, so uh, yeah, all, those, all those influences are, are sort of baked into the cake in a loving way. They're not, they're not cynically sprinkled about. Yeah, and I, I love how the tone is is different like there's a whole whole thing about elves and paperwork and things like that and there's also a lot of the creatures and everything are, are like original creations like there's these things called woffs that are like uh, dog clouds basically um yeah they seem to be i mean they seem to be they they evoke mm. uh, a similar kind of feeling as um oh the floating head dog the floating dog head in never ending story yeah <laughs> for me um yeah yeah i guess i mean it'd be interesting to talk to uh unfortunately we are just uh brits today yeah it'd be interesting to speak to uh our american friends about you know whether it feels like a british show to them because yeah. everyone's in an english accent 
uh, I mean, a lot of the cast does. A lot of the main cast, Hilda, her mum, and her two friends. Um, yeah, and I wondered if, uh, yeah, there's a feeling about it. Mm-hmm. That it's British. I think it feels neither. It feels quite nicely everything. It's animated in Canada. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of uh, a, Canadian, a softer Canadian sensibility about the art design, actually. Um, yeah, no, I... Uh, yeah, I just dig it. I've got to see more of it. But it's It's genuinely funny and just gorgeously animated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it's one of those like things on Netflix where you're like, I'm gonna try and ration myself so I don't just watch it all at once. <laughs> Do you get that? Yeah, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not ration it for any other reason than just I don't want there to be none more of it to left. None yeah. more of it left to watch. Yeah. I, mean, totally. I want it to be the case that I can see some more. Yeah, it's just yeah. No, it's um, it's a great show. I don't know what else there is to say about it. The characters are great as well. Mm -hmm. It's Hilda, and it's on Netflix, and you can watch it now if you've got Netflix, obviously. (laughs) And you can buy the books as well, I guess, the graphic novels, um, Mm -hmm. where books are sold, (laughs) as they say. All good and evil booksellers. Um, I also did finish off watching another Netflix original animated series aimed at a youngish audience, and that is uh, The Dragon Prince, which I think has also been recommissioned already. Um, I said before that I was not very impressed with this series, but I would probably finish it. I have finished it. I remain unimpressed. Um, yeah, the animation style I found hard to deal with. Um, it's it's doing the trying to do the CG three two D combination thing, but it it's clunky and it's hard. I didn't. I find it. <laughs> I find it uh, annoying to be honest. Um, really? it, it looks. I gotta say, I've seen the trailer and it looks fine. It's kind of doing that thing where, yeah, the animation is. Um, they would call it stepped, in a way that kind of is trying to mimic limited animation. Yeah, I heard. I heard. Oh, I saw definitely. someone, someone who works on it, saying, "Oh, well, we wanted to do the CG so we could do like more fancy camera angles or whatever, but we wanted to." Yeah. We wanted to avoid the the floaty look that some CG has, so we tried to mimic the limited look of anime or, or some anime or something. And it's like, I, I don't think it works. <laughs> right, you're not. Conv- I think it looks right. I've only seen trailers. I think it, I'm convinced. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you've seen the show, though. I did not like the show. <laughs> no. It was, it felt very kid show to me, to be honest. Um, and it didn't. What do you mean by that? I don't know. It's hard to put a finger on, but just because obviously Hilda is a children's show, but it doesn't feel like I'm 
you know, I don't feel like it's, I'm, I don't feel bad I think, watching okay, I it. Think, I think maybe what, I, what I'd say is there's a difference between making something that you like and is suitable for children mm-hmm. and from the ground and just from the word go saying, well, what do kids like? Uh, I don't know. Let's, and, you know, kind of reverse engineer it around what kids like, mm-hmm. which always seems to be the way not to go because you end up, I feel like that, the, uh, I'm not actually just talking about the brand, dragon prince here. I'm talking about uh, everything. I think when you do that, you're in danger of doing that thing that everyone knows you ought not to do, which is talk down to children. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true as much for Winnie the Pooh as it is for the age group of the Dragon Prince, which I presume is the kind of like eight and up, mm-hmm. you know, kind of eight to 12 sort of age group, um, which I think is the hardest age group to write for, actually, because there are lots of demands about, you know, um, it's essentially pre-pubescent. Yeah. So there's an there's a, there's a kind of the beginnings of self awareness and an awareness of the world, but, but a lacking awareness of lots of other things, and uh, it, it's very easy to end up being condescending. I think is is that is that maybe what what what's the case with the Dragon Prince? You'd say. I don't know. I don't know that it necessarily is. I don't want to. I don't want to be too harsh on it, because I I feel like other people have. I don't have... think you're being harsh on it. I think it's. You know, your your job as a critic is to give your honest opinion, based on your reaction. And I think it's okay. You're not entirely writing it off. No. But it, uh, but so therefore, it's okay to examine the parts of it that you, uh, you know, were left a little bit lukewarm about. So, like, was it maybe the story, which was yeah, this, yeah it wasn't particularly that engaging, or the characters. Uh, there's basically like the main characters are like these two princes. One of them's one of them's the son of the the king. And the other one is like the his adopted brother, and there's also a a elf warrior with a Scottish accent who's, who they team up with because elves and humans are in a war, but uh, they end up um, basically being on the same side to try and protect the dragon's egg. Um, it's just I I found it a bit flat to be honest, and like none of the dialogue or anything grabbed me and. There were like weird references to pop culture occasionally, like Game of Thrones and stuff that just seemed a bit out of place. And I don't know. It's just, I, I know some people liked it more than I do, but I just, yeah, it didn't, it didn't engage me. And I'm, you know, I don't really have any interest in seeing any more of it. <laughs> Having watched the first I do. season, which is nine episodes. So it wasn't too, too much but still it mm-hmm. I, it took me longer to get through than it would something that <laughs> something that I'm trying to ration myself on for example because I don't want to run out of it 
yeah so dragon prince i i didn't really like it <laughs> sorry <laughs> but your mileage may vary on this didn't you, there wasn't anything else you'd be watching or uh, animation wise i don't think man um i don't think so i've i've been uh i've i've been a good worker this week and a bad animation fan that's all right you've been making animation so yeah, yeah. Um, well, i think uh, that's it just hold up but you know it's a pretty good one i'd say yeah I concur. Yeah. Go watch Hilda. It's great. Um, so I guess that probably will wrap us up for today. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll be back soon with some more animation topics and more people on the show next time, I imagine. Um, if you want to keep up with everything we're doing, you can follow us on animationforadults.com. You can follow us on Twitter at AFO blog. Follow us on Facebook, on Pinterest, I won't say Google Plus anymore because they're shutting that down. Uh, did you know that? <laughs> I thought it already had been shut down. That's the problem, I think. <laughs> well, it's their problem. I mean, look, that pretty much died like two weeks after it came out, didn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're also on Instagram. Uh, you can, if you want to help us uh, make more stuff you can support us on patreon at patreon.com slash animation for adults uh you can come you can also buy us a virtual coffee using ko-fi.com or you can follow me personally at mr crystal on twitter where can we find you dan you can find me on twitter at hamu okay we'll be back soon anyway that's the end of the show Bye. One for all and all for one. Musket hounds are always ready. One for all and all for one. Helping everybody. One for all and all for one. It's a pretty story. Sharing everything with fun. That's the way to be. One for all. we believe journalism can change the story. When the Windrush generation were branded illegal immigrants, our reporting gave them a voice, urging the government to change their policy. And when we investigated the misuse of your social data, it prompted an inquiry holding those responsible to account. The Guardian is a space for clarity, imagination, hope. You can support our journalism today by becoming a digital subscriber at theguardian.com slash change the story. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. 
There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. At Bush Gardens Christmas Town, rekindle the spirit of holiday traditions for you and your family. Delight in the wonder of over 10 million twinkling lights. Cherish the moments as you enjoy new holiday shows and visit Santa and Rudolph. And immerse yourself in a world transformed by the season at the world's most beautiful theme park. The holidays shine brightest at Bush Gardens Christmas Town. Select dates through January 2nd. Right now, it's the best deal of the season. Save over 50% with tickets as low as $24.99. Restrictions apply.